Hey, everybody, thank you so much to this NBA play-in preview episode of the Fourth String Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brady, joined by my co-host, Mitch. No third wheel tonight, which is A-OK with us. Um, no Skyler tonight. Yeah, he's pouting because the Celtics didn't get the number one seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mitch, That's why he's not here. Yeah. Um, it's been a hot minute since we've recorded an episode here. How are you doing, good buddy? I'm doing good. Um, I enjoyed our trip out to Vegas where we spent the, you know, first two rounds of March Madness and uh, got a little intoxicated, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Me and Mitch, uh, we went out, we gambled more money than we should have, um, lost almost all of it, uh, you know, but had a great time out there in, uh, Sin City. Um, but speaking of sins, uh, Oh, I had a joke and then I lost it. Damn it. Whatever. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> we are going to break down um, the NBA standings now that the season is officially over. And we're going to give the preview for the four play-in tournaments, two in the East, two in the West, um, between the 7, 10, and 8, 9 seeds in order to see who moves on and who plays uh, the conjoining one, two seeds of the respective conferences. Now, here's here's a couple of interesting things. I just wanted to point this out. I was hoping to do it when Skyler was on the podcast. You guys gave me shit because I picked the Denver Nuggets to take the number one seed in the West. And look who's fucking right about it. But I would, I would like to clarify my position. I didn't have a problem with you putting at the number one seed. I was hesitant because I did not know, like, A, if Michael Porter Jr. was going to stay healthy. Because, I mean, it's just been health Jamal issues Murray. for him. And Jamal Murray was coming back. So it was really hard for me because... Were they going to come back and look like themselves and obviously, you know, number one seed, that's how they got there? Or was it going to take time or was there going to be kind of a lapse and then, you know, they're kind of in that like, you know, four or five kind of range. So I wasn't, I was very hesitant to put them up there, but, you know, obviously they're very deserving. Yeah. And there's, and, and there's a couple, I mean, there's some massive storylines here. The Dallas Mavericks after trading for Kyrie Irving don't make the playoffs. Um, LeBron, uh, you know, wills the Lakers into the play-in tournament. Russell Westbrook has really shown out with the Clippers. But that's all Western Conference stuff. We're going to start out in the East, where me and – well, actually, I picked the 76ers to take the one seed. I think you picked the Bucs. You also picked nope. the 76ers. Was it Skyler who picked the Bucks as the one seed? No, I think Skyler picked – didn't he pick the Celtics? I thought or he did picked, he pick the Bucks? I think he picked the Bucks because he. Was oh yeah, I think down. he. I think he actually picked it how it went with the one two. I think so too. But the uh, Milwaukee Bucks take the number one seed, um, best record in basketball. We we me and Mitch as Bucks fans know the history with the Boston Celtics. We've played what four playoff series in the last six years against the Celtics. I think sounds about right. Um, and it's pretty much always come down to the winner is the team who has home field, home court advantage, you know? Um, and so the Bucks, the Bucks taking that in the, you know, for the season, despite losing the season series to the Celtics, one game to two, um, was absolutely massive. But then we have at number two, only a game behind the Boston Celtics, I think, Mitch, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I think the odds-on favorite for the Eastern Conference Finals showdown is going to be Milwaukee-Boston again. Um, I yes, I don't. Yeah, it's definitely the betting favorite, and I think it's 
kind of what every fan is kind of expecting out of the East. Yeah, it kind of feels like I get the vibe of Bucks Celtics as like Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, like Colts Patriots yeah. during all those playoff games and or or um you know, back in the 80s and the 90s when it was San Francisco versus Dallas in all of those playoff games uh in the yeah. NFL like that it it kind of that kind of feels like the vibe. And I guess before we get into the rest of it, I would be curious to ask you, do you think that's good for basketball? Like do you think it's good that it kind of seems like whoever wins Buck Celtics, whoever is the last one standing, is maybe not only the odds on favorite to go to the finals, but is the odds mm-hmm. on favorite to win the finals? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good for basketball. It's kind of you know, it's always been ingrained in that from the very beginning. You know, the rivalries in basketball, you know, sell a lot. I mean, you know, you go back to the eighties, you know, every year it kind of seems like it was gonna be magic versus bird. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you know, Jordan going against the bad boy Pistons for a little bit and then just kind of rolling and then, you know, all the way up to now, you know, basketball has always been better when there's that, you know, rivalry. I mean, look look at over at the Western Conference and uh, how big of a spectacle it is every time Memphis plays the Golden State Warriors now. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. looking forward to when they play because of how they go against each other. And I feel like the Milwaukee Bucks have kind of gotten to that place. Um, you know, originally I thought it was going to be the Raptors because of how many times they bounced us out, but with them kind of regressing, uh, it's kind of the Celtics now because it's always interesting because of, you know, the whole playoff history, like the, you just said, how many times we played very competitive series uh, past in how many years. Um, it's always very interesting to see them go against each other. And it's always, almost always a like, great uh, series to watch. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, uh, what two of the, two of the playoff series in recent memories have gone to game sevens, you know, like, mm-hmm. and it, even like when Milwaukee cleaned the floor with Boston the year they won the title and beat them in five, they were still competitive yeah. game. Like Boston won the first game of that series. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, his rivalry sells and whether it was even just a couple of years ago when it was golden state versus LeBron and the Cavs, Yeah. For how many consecutive NBA finals, you know, it was, I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, but let's run down the rest of the uh, Eastern conference at the three seed. Um, led by presumptive MVP Joel Embiid, the Philadelphia 76ers, followed by Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers. How well did that trade work out for Cleveland? You got to eat some crow on that. I've got to eat some crow. I didn't. You poo pooed Donovan Mitchell going there. <laughs> I just, with how much of a defensive and a playoff liability he had proven to be, I was. Yeah. I was so confident that it wasn't going to work out, but everybody else has stepped up really well. And, and we were high yeah. on the Cavs last year in their play in turn yeah. uh, a game against, uh, was it the Nets? I think. Um, uh, yes. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. Cause we're all mad. Cause uh, Jared Allen couldn't play in that play in tournament game. Um, and then they just like barely lost and got bounced. And we we're kind of all like, yeah, if Jared Allen was playing in there, they would have made it. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, uh, so Cleveland comes in at number four, followed by the New York Knicks at number five, a team who, you know, made the playoffs a couple of years ago, got bounced by Atlanta, 
missed the playoffs and now they're not only right back in it, but they don't even have to get into the play-in tournament. And then maybe the most surprising team in the East to not have to play in the play-in, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, can we give a round of applause to Michael Bridges and what that guy has done for a team who looked dead in the water after they traded Kyrie and KD? Oh, and Cam Thomas, too. Cam Thomas also, absolutely. You know, um, it, like this is when you talk about how ridiculously bad the Nets season has gone. You fired your head coach, you know, you traded your best two players, you you did all of these things, and yet you still won 45 games, don't have to play in the play-in tournament, and you have a decent matchup coming up uh, against Philadelphia, a team that you're very yeah. uh, familiar with. But in the but they actually have a team now. Exactly. They have a team who I think knows how to function, you know? Yeah, it's just not the big three, and then basically scraps, you know, you actually have a really, you know, a very solid team when you kind of look at that starting five, you know, Spencer did what he had the point. We kind of saw, uh, you know, what he was doing with the, the Mavericks last playoff series. Um, You got Cameron Thomas, who's been hot since they got rid of Kyrie, you know, that stretch where he had how many 40-point games. Uh, Michael Bridges and uh, Cameron Johnson, two young ascending forwards with the Suns. And then Nick Claxton, who's been a very solid center. I mean, on paper, that's a very solid team. And they have bench pieces that we even talked about. You know, Joe Harris, Seth Curry. Uh, you know, it's the biggest reason why they're able to hang on. Like I said, uh, you know, all those weeks ago, it's because they actually have a team now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you look at, like, you know, and we'll talk about it when we look at the West, but like how bad the Mavs fell apart after the Kyrie trade compared to how much the Nets sort of excelled. I mean, six yeah. and four in their last 10 games, you know, positive conference record, positive record on at home and on the road. You know, you have to be, you have to be really uh, encouraged if you're, who's their owner? Is it Joe Sai? T-S-A-I? Yeah. J- yep. Joe Sai. Um, you have to be really encouraged with what he's – with the, the organization, the, the team that he, he has yeah. there. But And the coach at, actually getting to coach. 100%, right? And, I, I mean, I always thought Steve Nash got a bad fucking rap out of that yeah. anyway. But um, and then in the play-in tournament, we have some interesting matchups here in the East. At number seven, the Miami Heat. They're going to be taken on uh, – or, sorry, uh, followed by number eight, the Atlanta Hawks. We have the Toronto Raptors at number uh, nine and the Chicago Bulls who end up squeaking into the playoffs um, despite not having a particularly fantastic season. You know, no Lonzo Ball the entire year. Alex Caruso was hurt for a while. You didn't get as much production as the, as we had kind of hoped out of Billy Donovan and that Bulls franchise, but they're still moving on dancing. Um when we look at the rest of the East, Indiana, Washington uh, miss out by a couple of games, Orlando, uh, Charlotte, and Detroit. You know, I, we could also talk about Charlotte, who also was in the play-in tournament last year uh, mm-hmm. and fell apart to a 27-55 and 55 record. Now, you know, LaMelo was hurt for a good amount of that and other key issues yeah. there, but... Um, Miles Bridges got arrested. Miles Bridges got arrested, but he was already, <laughs> I think, a scheduled free agent that year anyway uh he was a restrict he was a restricted free agent is that what he was okay so he might yeah he might like most likely was gonna 
come back because of how well he played. But obviously he got into legal trouble and didn't play basketball at all. So that didn't help him at all. Sure. 100%. Um, but Mitch, looking at the Eastern Conference, just the way that the it, it all mm-hmm. stacked out with those 15 teams, anything surprising to you now that the season is over and you kind of have a moment to step back? Was there anything that kind of surprised you about the way everything fell out? Um, I would, I would say the biggest surprise for me in the East was the Knicks, um, you know, cause they were kind of floundering and going back to how they were last season where, you know, after having that, uh, making the playoffs and how many years and Julius Rando looking like a, a real guy after, you know, kind of just being just a guy in the Lakers, um, but they were able to put it together. They made some really good moves at the um trade deadline uh Jalen Brunson has been a godsend for them uh Emmanuel quickly was a great uh draft choice to you know should be a front runner for six man of the year for what he's done but yeah they kind of gotten it back to where they were two years ago and it's gonna be really interesting um to see them going against the Cavs where you know a couple weeks ago they were coming off a, a great game where Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson both had like a 40 point game or whatever so they could be a sneaky team. Um, and then the the other one is the Toronto Raptors. Um, you know, they've just kind of fallen off. And it really doesn't make sense when you kind of look them, at them on paper. I mean, Fred Van Vliet's a very solid point guard, can do it all. Scotty Barnes, the reigning rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pascal Siakam has been, you know, kind of a sending guy. And then OG Anoboe has been a very solid forward. And then, and now picking up a, guy like Jacob Portal uh to do center like on paper they should be a lot higher than the ninth seed but you know it just really hasn't been working out yeah and I would absolutely agree with your assessment there where it's 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 crazy for a Raptors team that when Kawhi left a lot of people rightly were like well where is this team really gonna go but Pascal Siakam really showed out. Fred Van Vliet got his contract. You had Rookie of the Year and stuff like that. And yet they still just haven't been able to put together a functional team. And maybe that's because they're one of the smaller markets in basketball. You know, it's not like the Raptors are going out and getting a ton of um, uh, free agents or anything like that. But yeah. there's there, there has to be some hesitation with the Raptors because – when you look at the Eastern Conference over the last 15 years, whether it was Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan or Kawhi Leonard or, you know, even these last couple of years, the Raptors mm-hmm. have been a very consistent team in the East and have yeah. not been an easy go for anybody who's had to play them. But mm-hmm. every year they just kind of seem like they've gotten significantly worse, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess for me – my surprising team would probably have to be the Atlanta Hawks. You know, a team who had a 2-0 lead on the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks just two seasons ago. Uh, got bounced in the playoffs immediately last year. You have Trey Young, who's turned into one of the best all-around players in basketball. The dude's averaging 26 points, 10 assists per game. You trade it, you, you know, you brought in Deontay Murray who played fantastic for you. You have Clint Capella, who's averaging 11 points. You've still got Bogdanovich and Hunter and Collins, and yet this team cannot find a way to put together long runs of wins. I mean, 
there was some graphic I saw that's like over their last 52 games, they're exactly 26 and 26. Like they are an exactly 500 basketball team across the board, which is crazy when you talk about Atlanta being one of the largest markets in sports, some of the young players they have, the moves that they've made, and yet this team cannot figure out how to create that consistent success, you know? I don't think they're an easy get for anybody in the playoffs, but they're not they're not what they used to be. You know, they're not the expectations we had after the 2021 Eastern Conference Finals are no longer anywhere near where this team is. You know, um I'm just very surprised at at how mediocre the Atlanta Hawks kind of proved to be this season, you know. Um yeah, I just think that the, you know, when you're kind of looking at this team, like you said two years ago, the offense was very hot. And nobody wanted to play Trey Young because he, because he was ice Trey. Um, but I just think that the offense is kind of dipped down a little bit, and with their, and their uh, lack of defense is really caught up with them, and they don't have the offense to supplement, uh, you know, bottom half kind of defense, and that's really shown because. You know, looking at this team, they really only have two defenders in Clint Capella and uh, Deontay Murray. Otherwise, nobody else really plays solid defense for them. And I think that's kind of the biggest reason why they're the eighth seed and at 500, because they really can't play team defense. Yeah, it's it's like one of it's almost like watching an NFL air raid offense, you know, or, or exactly like it's like watching an air raid team where you're like, oh, my God, these guys can put up 56 points a game, but they're going to give up. 57 points a game you know yeah like it's just i think trey young can be a great defender i think he's he's a naturally gifted pickpocket um but there's not that consistency in defense and i think that's what separates the the tatums and the browns and the Giannis's and the Embiid's in the east versus everybody else you know uh because Mm -hmm. those guys take a lot of uh pride in their defense and you don't see that oh absolutely yeah and you just don't see that with donovan mitchell and uh uh luka Doncic, luka Doncic, and trey young and stuff like that and and even i mean when we get to the west i think we can talk about one of the reasons the kings have been so good this year is because they've played a lot better defense than they have in years previously um and stuff like that also but um Speaking of the West, let's head on over there and let's give our breakdown. At the number one seed, we already hinted at it, the Denver Nuggets, uh, followed by the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, which wasn't necessarily surprising, but, you know, they had a good amount of turmoil this season between the the John Morant issues, the Dylan Brooks issues, you know, kind of across the board there, some bad injuries, and they lost a number of key free agents also, but found themselves at the two seed and only two games back from Denver. Um and then number three, man, light the beacon. The Sacramento Kings are in the playoffs and not even the play in. They they fully get a couple days off. Um, followed up by the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you have the Los Angeles Clippers. And despite a terrible start to the season and a terrible road record of 11 and 30, the Golden State Warriors come in at number six and uh, don't have to uh, play in the play in tournament. Um, at number seven, we have the L.A. Lakers. At number eight, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves. 
who now have their own drama because they're going to be without Rudy Gobert for their play-in game. At number nine, we have the New Orleans Pelicans, a team who was in the play-in, won, and then you know really had a good showing in the playoffs last year, um, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder without so many players, with all those draft picks, a team who supposedly was going to go through the most comprehensive rebuild we've ever seen finds themselves in the playoffs uh, this year. Notably, Dallas Mavericks on the outside looking in, um, followed by Utah, which wasn't surprising, but Portland, Houston, and San Antonio close out the West. Uh, Mitch, uh, anything stand out to you in terms of the Western Conference as, as kind of shocking now that the year is over? Um, I mean, obviously the Kings have been a shock uh, since day one of the season. Um, but I don't go into that too much. Um, yeah. The Suns at four kind of makes sense. They were really struggling to um for the beginning of the season. Not having Jay Crowder didn't help. They kind of talked about it. The um they kind of sacrificed their bench. Uh, you know what happened with the off season and then making the Kevin Durant trade. But you know and then Kevin Durant you know slipped in what sprained his ankle was out for a couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. but now that he's healthy, they've kind of been rolling and kind of been what they've expecting. Um. I am kind of surprised that, uh, you know, between LeBron James and Austin Reeves that they were able to really will this team into the playing tournament. I really thought they were going to miss out, but they're able to get it done, and it'll be interesting to see how they play um, the next uh, couple of days. Um, and then the Pelicans, it's just really sad to see because, you know, when they were able to make in the playoff tournament uh, last year, it was very exciting. I loved watching them play especially uh Jose Alvarado. Yeah. Um but man, with that another Zion injury, it kind of really diminishes their ceiling cuz I feel like with the healthy Zion, they're a very very dangerous team in the West, but the dude just can't stay healthy and I know they just paid him this huge contract, but I mean at some point I think they got to move on from Zion cuz the dude's more theory than practice at this point. Um you know, you're paying a lot for this guy and the dude can never show up for you, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, 246 possible regular season games he could have he could play in over his three seasons. He's only appeared in 114. So you're getting sub 50% out of Zion. And when he's playing, I mean, career-wise, this dude has insane stats. You know, um, over this over the three total seasons, he's averaging 26 points per game. Um, almost a steal, four assists, seven rebounds. He's shooting uh, 34% from the three-point line, 60% from the field, but he just can't stay healthy, you know? And that's that's always the issue with the um, once-in-a-generation style player, you know, um, where you, you sell out for him completely, but at the end of the day, it's all about how how well they can stay healthy. You know, Greg Oden could have turned into the best NBA player of all time. He just couldn't stay healthy. You know, it, it's it's ultimately what that comes down to. For me, obviously, you got to talk about the Dallas Mavericks to start out. You add Kyrie Irving, the best player Luka's ever played with, and you completely fall apart since you added him. You know, you defensively, you're a complete liability. This was a team who, you know, came back and beat the Suns in seven last year, was competitive against the Warriors, 
it looked like I was going to have to eat crow on the Jason Kidd hiring, and now I can kind of sit back and go, well, hey, it turns out he's not a good coach. Your defense sucks. Um, Luca is not taking those next steps as a defensive player that you desperately need him to, especially in the West, where guard play is at such an incredible level between Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, the guys that the Kings are fielding right now, you've got, you know, whether it's Kawhi Leonard, John Morant, John Morant you know, you've got Paul George in the mix there. And, and I know those guys are also kind of small forwards, but we also talked about how NBA is becoming, the NBA is becoming a positionless um, uh, yeah. league. You know, but even when you look at Ant Edwards or some of these other guys, you're like, wow, you really need to play better defense. And just the entire season, this team could not figure it out. And I don't know what, I don't know where the Mavs go from here. And now you have the league looking into them over uh, uh, tanking on purpose because that final game. Tanking the final game. Yeah. Had they won that game, they'd be in the play-in tournament. They sat everybody, lost, and now they have a protected top five pick, I think, or top 10 pick or something like that Um, because of it. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But I mean, I also have to just say the massive disappointment for the majority of people of the Minnesota Timberwolves. But for me, what I kind of called sort of from day one, I mean, I think you had Minnesota as your one or two seed in the West. Um, yeah, Minnesota is my number one seed was your number one seed. And you know, Rudy Gobert yeah. had another good season. Ant Edwards had a good season. You traded D'Angelo Russell, but you just could not. Minnesota should be a lot higher than the eight seed, is is what I'm saying. For what they gave up for Rudy Gobert, they should be a significantly better basketball team than they are. Um, but let's uh, let's head into our play in preview. We're gonna start off with the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Miami Heat in seven versus eight. Um, who does the winner of this series play? They would play the Celtics? Uh, yes, the winner would go on to play the Celtics, and the loser would play the winner of nine and ten. Yeah, and then the winner of that series would end up playing the Bucks. Um, so, um, yes. uh, Atlanta 41-41, and 41, Miami 44-38. and 38. Um, Skyler is picking the Heat to take this game. Obviously, we have Trey Young at versus Jimmy Butler, Clint Capella versus Bam Adebayo. Um, some big names in this matchup here. Uh, Mitch, who are you taking? Heat Hawks in the one and done plan. Well, not one and done technically, but you know, winner advance, winner take all. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Skyler. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with Skyler. I say the Heat. Get it done in one. Um, uh, when you're looking at the series uh, this season, they went three and one against the Hawks. Really had no trouble. The Hawks are 22nd in defense, like we were kind of talking about before. Um, their paint defense is especially horrible. They're allowing 55 points a game uh, in the paint. And looking at the Trey Young's history against the Heat, uh, going back these past eight games, uh, when he plays the Heat, he is shot. 30% from the field and has committed 49 turnovers. Um, wow. And I just don't think, yeah, they really have his number with their defense. And um, I just don't think that the Hawks really have the size to compare with the, the Heats. I mean, they got a guy like 
Bam Adebayo, who's uh, 6'9". Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, kind of a you know shooting guard, small forward. The dude's still 6'7". Um, I just don't think they have enough of those big players to contend with uh, some of the guys that the Heat do. Um, and I kind of told you before, you said it to you before in this playoff uh, or playing tournament matchup got announced. Uh, I was like, it's kind of a good thing for the Heat because they're not really playing against a team that can take advantage of them not really having that the real power forward um, in my mind. So yeah. I think it just very is a favorable matchup for the Heat, and I think they're going to beat the Hawks in advance. I'll say that I think both of these teams, whoever loses this series or this game, I think is still going to win the matchup against the winner of 9-10, you know, um, because they, they both should be good enough to do that. But I also have yeah. to pick the Heat here. I mean, Number one, and this is something we're going to kind of continue to circle back to during these previews, but the injuries are night and day. You have the Heat, who um, uh, Nikola Jovic, the the rookie, is going to be out for certain. That's nothing major, right? But then when you look at the Hawks, yeah, Deontay Murray, day-to-day. Clint Capella, day-to-day. Bogdan Bogdanovich, day-to-day. Trey Young, day-to-day. John Collins, day-to-day. And you look at the injuries, ankle, calf, knee, groin, back. These are not great injuries for a team in the Heat who are going to play you aggressive and who pride themselves on their defense, you know? And with how well the Heat played against their own division this year, with how well they've played against Trey Young and the Hawks in the past, Jimmy Butler going up against Trey Young. Listen, I don't think Jimmy Butler can put up 40 or 45 points in a, on a consistent basis, but he can hold Trey Young to 12 points and three of 17 from the field or something like that. You know, he can shut down Trey Young a lot. It's more feasible for him to shut down Trey Young than it is for Trey Young to be able to go toe to toe and will this team into a victory. Now, if the shots don't fall, the shots don't fall, but the heat are bigger. They're more aggressive. They have a better bench and they're healthier. And all those boxes mean I've got to take the heat also to, uh, uh, to win that that play-in game. Um, we'll head over to the Western Conference 7 versus 8, where a Rudy Gobertless Minnesota Timberwolves team will take on LeBron and the Lakers. Now, Rudy suspended because of his punch against teammate Kyle Anderson. Um, the Lakers also dealing with some injuries. Minnesota 42-40. and 40. Uh, uh, Los a- I'm sorry. Los Angeles is hosting this game. Uh, Los Angeles... Mm-hmm. 43 and 39. Um, Skyler is taking the Lakers. Mitch, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, I got to go with the Lake show. I mean, just looking at the injuries for um, the Timberwolves, like you said, Rudy Gobert is suspended for punching Kyle Anderson. That hurts their defense because they especially need it. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, a month earlier, Nas Reed, very ascending backup center for them, broke his wrist. He's not going to be playing. And then what kind of gets overshadowed by the whole Rudy Gobert thing of the game is uh, Jaden McDaniels punched uh, the wall, pulled the Devin Williams and broke his hand. So yeah. uh, it, it's in a cast and he's probably not going to be playing at all, uh, you know, depending on how far the, the Timberwolves will go. So with those three guys not playing, you basically have Carl Anthony Towns is your front court. And that's pretty much it. And when you're playing against a team that has, LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a one game series, 
how can you not go with the Lakers? And that's exactly it, because Carl Anthony Towns is a great player. I've ragged on him before for the way that he plays and everything, but the matchup, you know, the twin towers of him with Rudy Gobert is a great matchup there, but that's kind of canceled if it's just Carl Anthony Towns versus Anthony Davis, who simply speaking is still yeah. a better player and a better defender than Carl Anthony Towns is. Um, and And now when I sit there and I go, okay, I think not Dennis Schroeder's injury for the Lakers isn't anything to sleep on, you know, but. Oh no, he's played point excellent for them. Absolutely. But I look at the Wills and I go, well, without Rudy Gobert, who the fuck is going to cover LeBron or even the Lakers, you know, we talked yeah. about Reeves and some of the, a lot better play they've gotten out of their guards. It's it, it's, I have to favor the Lakers in this matchup because it, if yeah. Rudy Gobert was playing, it might be a different story, you know? But yeah. the Lakers are just a better basketball team. And I think despite the turmoil of the season, we have to give a round of applause to Darvin, to Darvin Ham um, and mm-hmm. what he's done, you know, his first year there with a really dysfunctional franchise and fan base and divas and everything like that. He found a way into the playoffs yeah. and they're not going to have an easy showdown if they end up advancing, but it'll be, yeah. it'll be a, a, a It'll definitely be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah. So we're all going to And Polinka, too. I mean, that... Oh, absolutely. I've given him shit, but for what he was able to salvage and kind of turn this into a real team, I mean, Austin Reeves, another great jab choice by the uh, the Lakers, uh, and then who they were able to pick up through trades. I mean, uh, Jared Vanderbilt from the Utah Jazz has been a very solid kind of mm-hmm. power forward, um, and their backup in Ru... Roy Hachimura was doing excellent things until they got Vanderbilt. Um, so they really built up this uh, uh, bench and kind of filled those uh, gaps uh, in between um, uh, Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James. And D'Angelo Russell's kind of got into how he was looking when he was in the Nets and actually playing as a good point guard again. Yeah, one hundred. I mean, one hundred percent. It's I actually forgot. Hachimura was on the Lakers. I forgot about that trade completely. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so let's head back over to the East where we're going to have the uh, uh, Bulls travel to Toronto to take on the Raptors. 40 and 42 Chicago, 41 and 41 Toronto. Um, Skyler is taking the Bulls in this matchup here. Um, Mitch, who are you taking? Yeah, for me, this was the hardest playing game uh, to decide. Um, because when you just kind of think of it like with the passing thought, it's like, oh, okay, the Toronto Raptors should beat the Bulls with, you know, how the Bulls have played with, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball hasn't been there and the team really isn't the same without him. And uh, Vukovic is, you know, very offensive guy, can't really play center. It's very similar to, it's pretty much a poor man's Carl uh, Anthony Towns and, kind of so on and so forth, the benches really is there. But when you kind of compare the numbers of the season between the two teams, the Bulls have played better offense and defense than the Raptors. Um, they've, they've really struggled. Toronto, I think, has only been shooting like 33 34% from three, which it's, it's get very tough to, you know, make a real noise in the play-in and playoffs if, you know, you're not even a great three-point shooting as a team. Um, and I just kind of consider the whole uh, storyline of uh, 
to DeMar DeRozan going back to Toronto to play in this uh, playing tournament. Um, and the idea of uh, him winning the game and sending Toronto home, um, I kind of play that into it because the way, even though it seems like they've uh, kind of mended things, I still think they did him dirty with that whole Kawhi trade. So I think he's going to send him home. No, I, I completely agree. Um, that storyline of DeMar DeRozan returning to – now, granted, obviously he's played games against the Raptors in the yeah. past. But, but, but nothing think, of this importance. Absolutely. But I think we also have to highlight the fact that the Bulls, I think, swept the series against the Raptors this year. Um, uh, or no, I think they went one and two, actually. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. This one, this one was difficult for me. Um, narratively, DeMar DeRozan showing up in Toronto to knock out the team he used to play for, uh, uh, the franchise who he made his name with, I, I think narratively it makes so much sense. And there's things to like about the Bulls. Zach Levine, Nikola uh, Vujovic. But the number one reason I'm going with the Bulls has nothing to do with them. It's that OG Ananomi and Fred Van Vliet are doubtful for this game you don't know how healthy they're going to be walking into it i think these are two evenly matched teams um you know we saw that the bulls have fight in them they took game one against milwaukee last year um or i think it was game one it may have been game two or something like that um but they took a game against milwaukee last year and in a one and done situation here i'm i'm gonna take the bulls but this is gonna be a knockdown drag out fight i think I don't think either of these teams make it very far in the playoffs. I don't think they win too many more playoff games. But in terms of a one-and-done fight, I think this this might be the most entertaining game that we're going to watch. Both of these teams are very evenly matched. Um, I think I think that the, the Raptors are probably better in the backcourt, and the Bulls are probably better in the frontcourt. The Bulls obviously are better offensively and defensively. But this was a, a Raptors team who still found a way to get it done. It's going to be a good matchup. I'm going to take the Bulls, though. Um, so now let's talk, uh, you know, maybe the the one of the most exciting play-in games of the couple of years we've had it. But it's going to be the Thunder traveling to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans. Skyler's taking the Pelicans, and so is the majority of the country. Um, OKC finished 40-42. and 42. New Orleans finished 42 and 40. Um, but Shy Gilgis Alexander and this Thunder team are really trending in the right direction. Um, Mitch, uh, who you taking Thunder versus Pelicans? Yes, this, this uh, playing game would have been a lot more fun. Um, probably the best playing game, in my opinion, if uh, Chet Holgram never got hurt. And same with Zion. Yeah. So if you had those two, the respective teams, it would be such a fun game to watch. But uh, unfortunately, injuries got in the way. Um, um, and I have to agree with Skyler for the fourth consecutive time. Don't say that. Um, but uh, he's right on this one. I mean, the Pelicans uh, went three and one against the uh, Thunder this year. Uh, since the All-Star break, the Pelicans have been shooting 39% from three as a team. Um and since the break, the Thunder have allowed teams to shoot 36% from three. So uh, we know they're going to get their shots. Um, and when you're just kind of looking at the constructions of both teams, the, the Pelicans have some very good defenders between Jose Alvarado, 
and how sneaky he is with steals. Uh, Trey Murphy and Herbert Jones are very good defenders. Um, so I think it's going to be very tough because I think the Thunder in a couple of years will be a good team. Um, but right now it's very much Shea Gilgis Alexander and the Pelicans have a lot of guys to put on him. And I don't know if some of the young guys like Josh Gideon and the Jalen Williams, both of them, um, can are ready for the moment to really shoulder a team and uh, get them a win in this kind of environment. Cause we all know the playing tournament slash playoffs is a very different atmosphere than it is a regular season game. And I just don't know if these other guys are ready for it. So I'm going to go with the, uh, more veteran team in the Pelicans. Yeah. I'm going to finally disagree and I'm going to take the thunder. Um, when I look at shy, uh, Alexander's game logs here recently, man, I mean, just points 22, 32, 39, 39, 31, 27, 30, 31, 40, 29, 35, 35, 33, 38. He's got more games of 35 plus points than he has games of below 25. You know, this dude has the ability to completely take over the game. And frankly speaking, I don't think the Pelicans have anybody who can stop him. I, I just don't. Like, CJ McCollum still has the ability to put up some points. He's not as good of a defender as he used to be, and he's not going to have those you know, five or six made threes in a game that, that I think he used to have when he was with the trailblazers. Um, uh, uh, Valanchunas is still a great big man, but when I look at the thunder and I see that, you know, Jalen Williams has played great. Dort has played. Okay. And then you have giddy who I think is a matchup nightmare for the Pelicans as well. Well, not necessarily as much because the Pelicans have Brandon Ingram and stuff like that. It's just, I, I look at that matchup of, Shy Gilgis versus um, who's the Pelicans point guard? Uh, is it going to be Alvarado for this? Uh, Probably uh, yeah, unless they, unless Alvarado comes off the bench and they put McCollum at the point, McCollum or Trey Murphy possibly, but um, I just don't, you know, when Jose Alvarado is a a good defender, he's not a great defender, um. You know, no, but he's a very pesky, scrappy guy in the likes of a Marcus Smart or sure. a, uh, like a Javon uh, Carter kind of guy. And I think those guys are just as annoying as a great defender like uh, Giannis or uh, Rudy Gobert, whoever you want to say. Sure. But, but when I also look at – I think one of the key things with this is when I look at how well uh, Shy Alexander has shot from the free throw line this year, that could end up being a massive – point in this game you know the pelicans have built a team to be functional around zion and without zion this team isn't as functional as they should be brandon ingram's a great player he has the ability to take over games you know jonas valanciunas can be a matchup nightmare and and that's really with like valanciunas is where i kind of worry about how the thunder are going to respond to that um Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm gonna take the thunder i think this is a great story i think this is exactly where this team wants to be this is the matchup they want to be in and when you really look at their season this year a lot of their losses has come from within you know eight to four you know four to eight points there's not many games where they've just been completely blown out there's some bad losses to teams that they shouldn't have lost to there's no doubt about that but the fact that we're talking about a Thunder team who won 40 point 40 games without their maybe their second best player for almost the entire year, that's huge for them. I'm going to take the Thunder uh, to move on. So 
Um, obviously, once we have these games set, we will uh, circle back to Friday night um, where we'll have our matchups between the winners of 9-10 and the losers of 7-8 for the rights to take on the uh, Bucks and the Nuggets respectively or respectfully. Um, but Mitch, how excited are you that the NBA playoffs have started again, man? Um, I'm cautiously excited because obviously it's, it's always a fun time to watch it, but when your team is in it, it is just kind of stressed the throughout the entire series. And then you kind of get the, that one or two day off and then it's on to the stress for the next series. So yeah, right now it's feeling great. Um, uh, before we get like really in depth with it, with it uh, a couple days from now, uh, just kind of off the top of your head, which, uh, playoff series that we know so far are you really excited to watch obviously besides you know the Bucks. um cleveland new york to me is gonna be a great series to watch you look at both of these teams were um very good at home cleveland struggled a lot more on the road um the Knicks are better in terms of offense or opponents points per, or sorry, Cleveland is better in terms of opponents points per game. New York is better in terms of their own points per game. Both of these teams, you know, fought it out for most of the year and, and we're in kind of different spots. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about it. Jalen Brunson versus Donovan Mitchell, I think is going to be a great matchup. Um, but then also getting a couple of upper couple of additional opportunities to watch how, some of your former first round picks who are coming into contract years, and I'm talking about the Knicks here, but RJ Barrett, um, you know, Julius Randle signed a big extension, but he's not yeah. without being on the hot seat. We talked about Emmanuel quickly, you know, Obi Toppin was a guy who we all were super excited for when the Knicks drafted him. And he, he hasn't been as good as we thought he would be. Well, he hasn't um, gotten the play because of Julius Randle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that that was the issue we had when the Knicks drafted him was why would you draft yeah. him when you already had Julius Randle? But Tom, yeah. you, know, you have to give props to what Thib has has done there with the Knicks after an off year, getting them right back into it. And mm-hmm. and it's crazy when we look at the Cavaliers and we go, what? A year and a half ago, they fired two and a half years ago. They fired John Beeline midseason. And now this yeah. team is the five seed in the East or four seed in mm-hmm. the East. Like that's, that is crazy in terms of, of how yeah. it all plays out there. Um, but obviously the second round matchup, like, like even in the semifinals, whoever it is, whether it's, I think it would be Celtic Sixers. If both teams win, is that correct? Or would it be uh, the Sixers? No, Sixers would go on to play the Celtics, and then the winner of Cavs, Knicks would play the Bucks. Yeah. So so that Celtics Sixers series, I, I would be so excited, assuming both of those teams end up moving on, and they should. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's who I'm really looking forward to um in, in terms of just just no ones that we know about already. What about yourself? Uh for me. It's got to be Kings Warriors. Um, I I know a lot of people, especially Vegas, is going to have uh, the Warriors as the betting favorite. And, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, they usually don't do as well in the regular season. Once the playoffs hit, that's when they find their groove and they're the Golden State Warriors. But 
I'm just saying the Sacramento Canes, you I don't think you should sleep on them. And it's the, like, oh, they did well in the regular season, but now it's time for the big boys to stand up. Uh, you know, I believe the Kings were the number one offense in the league this year, statistically wise. And like you said, they play really great defense. Um, so I'm I'm just saying I think the Kings have a really good chance to uh, really push us to a seven game series and can actually win it. I don't think it's a very, uh, uh, very, sh- uh, shut case in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I, and, and I think another very notable thing about this matchup is a Andrew Wiggins has been back now for a couple of games and he's going to be back for this series. That's obviously huge. Mm-hmm. But also talking about the fact that the Kings have home court advantage and the Warriors were 11 and 30 on the road this year. Exactly. So it's if this game goes to seven, if this series goes to seven, that really favors the Kings. And if the Kings yeah. can steal game three or game four in uh, uh, San Francisco or in, yeah, San Francisco now, um, the series could be over before it even began. Now, I'm not counting yeah. out the Warriors. They could still win it all this year. Steph Curry is a fucking they're they have such great pieces and yeah, still have that and, starting five from the championship team. Absolutely they do. And they're a matchup. But they have to win road games. Exactly. <laughs> and and we saw that they struggled against teams like Memphis last year with that. They struggled against the Mavs at times with that in the playoffs. And so and even even in the series against Boston in the finals there last year, they struggled at yeah. times. And now if it's now you talk about a gauntlet that they have to run because even if they move on, you're looking at having to play Memphis again on the road afterwards. You're looking mm-hmm. at maybe having to play Denver on the road afterwards. You're looking at some of the Phoenix or Phoenix, and you're like, yeah. wow, these are environments that are not extremely conducive to road teams and this is a warriors team that has been very very bad on the road now oh and like even sacramento that's not going to be an easy place to play in and i know that sounds really weird but i mean just think about it with how you know they're making the playoffs for the first time in 16 years they got the whole like the beam kind of thing you know this is this is kind of like when the bucks uh got Giannis, and Giannis started becoming uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the fan base is really revved up, and I think it's going to be. Uh, I think the Warriors are going to be surprised about the kind of environment that they're going to be playing in in Sacramento. I I agree, and and a part of it also is like you know for how bad the Warriors have been on the road, they've been the second best record at home in basketball, thirty three and six. You know, um, mm-hmm. um. So it's it's definitely it's definitely a matchup that is extremely exciting. Uh, to watch. I mean, and even when we just talk about two different franchises in different places. You know, the Warriors have won, what, five rings in the last eight years or something like that. And you mm-hmm. have the Kings who are making their first playoff appearance since they lost a heartbreaker in the Western Conference Finals to Kobe back in 2002. You know? Yeah. So two very different franchises at, at, um, in terms of their history and everything. But this is also, I mean, this is a Northern California showdown. Sacramento and San Francisco aren't that far away from each other. This isn't the days of, of you know, the Lakers dominance or even the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Clippers dominance that used to exist. Basketball is a Northern California thing now. And and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 
I'm so excited to just watch that first home game for the Kings and just to see that crowd finally get back into playoff yeah. mode, you know? Um, yeah. One thing to bring up before we sh- uh, shut off, I, I don't know how we have not talked about it at all the past, uh, you know, since we've done this podcast, but the Clippers the past three seasons have not lost a game to the Lakers. They have swept them every time. They have swept the series uh, three years counting, I believe. That's that's insane. I mean, now granted, there was like what? Yeah. There was a four-year period where the Bucks didn't lose a sing, or a three-year period where the Bucks yeah. didn't lose a single game to like anybody in division or something like that. Yeah, um, but think about it. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, they haven't been the most available either. For sure, absolutely. Now, granted, neither has LeBron or AD. Obviously. Yeah, but still. But when we also talk about, I mean, it it should also. It's a, it's one of those things where I love Clippers versus Lakers fan bases because you have the Clippers who've obviously dominated that series recently, but the Lakers mm-hmm. won a title not too long ago. You have yeah, you know, it's like it's like despite all the pieces the Clippers have added, they still haven't made a Western Conference Finals ever. I think. No, I think the, um. You know, the era of DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul only went as far as the the, the semifinals. semifinals. Yeah. Like, yeah. they still haven't even made a conference finals ever. And now, and we're in, what, year three of Kawhi in with the Clippers? We're in year two of Paul George yeah. with the Clippers. We've had, they had a former sixth man of the year just a couple of years ago. They've had some great pieces. They've made trades. They've done mm-hmm. coaching changes. They went from Doc Rivers to... um uh, Ty Lu, two championship coaches, and this team still—they've mm-hmm. watched as franchises with maybe objectively less Hall of Fame caliber players have better records, get better across the board, supplement their bench, move a lot further. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I said when Kawhi joined the Clippers that the Suns would have played in an NBA final before the Clippers did, but. It's also the mm-hmm. truth, you know, that the Mavs would reach the Western Conference Finals before the Kawhi and the Clippers ever did, you know, like that's, yeah. that's objectively crazy. Now, this could be the year that changes it if they're healthy. I know Paul George is he's hurt right now, but hopefully he'll come back in time for um, some of the playoff games. Yeah, but it's um, it, it's definitely going to be a playoffs to really be excited for. And even again, when we look at like how this is all going to work out. I mean, the the possibility of the Warriors taking on the Grizzlies again in the second round or getting a Nugget Suns semifinals or what, you know, however it all ends up working out is I'm just, I'm always so excited for playoff basketball because I think it just brings out a different caliber out of these players. And I think the fans get a level of sport that is sort of unseen during the 82 regular season games, you know? Where you really see yeah, the best out of players and sometimes the worst out of the players. Oh yeah, definitely. To me, it's probably the best uh, playoff series in like all major sports. Well, I'd agree with that. It's I think it's infinitely better than than baseball. I think ho- hockey can be very good playoff series as well, but um, basketball mm-hmm. is you really feel the home home court advantage for these teams. Yeah. And what I love about basketball is that you're just as likely to have an all-star like Ja or Giannis or Tatum go out there and shoot 
15% on 25 shots as you are for them to put up a 50-point game, and you just never know what you're going to get out of each of these playoff games, you know? Um, yeah. You can have all-time great performances out of players, and they still lose in four or they lose in five or something yeah. like that. It's, I love it. I, I, I'm so excited for playoff basketball, and we're so excited to continue to bring it to you. So next time we talk, everybody, we're going to be giving our previews and our predictions for the Eastern and Western Conference um, playoffs opening round, how we think those are all going to work out. Um, and, uh, and, and we have, we still have to do our NFL free agency recap episode. There's so much to talk about there. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded at some point. So we can finally talk Hope about so. that. Um, we have our NFL uh, uh, draft episode draft. coming up, which is awesome. Can't wait. And, then, and then we turn around and head right into our team previews. We're also going to, we've got baseball that just started up not too long ago. Um, so many things across sports and, and before we, before we know it, we're going to be talking about college football as well here, um, in the not too distant future. And we are so excited to bring it all to you. Hey, if you guys know about or have any questions on, or want to voice your opinion on the upcoming NBA playoffs or anything in the sports world, why don't you shoot us an email fourth string SP at gmail.com F O U R T H string SP at gmail.com. We will uh, read them on air, we'll debate them, we'll talk about them, and we will hopefully give you an answer that's conducive to what your question was. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on everything, and have a good night, everybody.